Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. I'd like to welcome our guests today, Gabrielle Hall and Anthony Randall, the co-CEOs of Planet Home. They're changing the story by building a community of solutions as well as solutionists to help the planet. So let's learn what they're doing. Awesome. Well, uh, I'd like to begin with the question that we asked our guests, which is, as visionaries, what is the new story that you would like to bring to the world? Well, I'll just jump in and say, I think, you know, Planet Home is about, um, like you said, Neil, bringing solutions and solutionists together. And I think the story that we want to share with the world is that we're all in this together and collaboratively and through collective action will create the story of the world that we want to live in. Um, this would be the short answer. I mean, to me, I see that happening right now with the fact that we're all sheltering in place so well. We've actually changed the outcomes and the models aren't accurate in terms of number of cases and, and um, deaths with COVID-19 here in California because we've created a new story, a new reality for how it's playing out. So I think that that story um, amplified across every area of our life is, is the vision. I'm glad you said that because the, the purpose of this show really is to bring a new reality. And so we think about things like uh, John F. Kennedy's moonshot speech, where here's him putting an idea forth to the world that created a new reality. People ended up going to the moon and people ended up going to space. And so um, speaking of that reality, uh, in terms of what else you'd like to see in that reality, maybe it's five years from now, 10 years from now, what, what might that reality look like for you two in a positive way? Um, well, if I, if I could just interrupt for a second, I apologize, because it's interesting you bring up moonshots, because I've heard them talk about earth shots. Earth shots, yes. Right? Yeah. You, guys, you guys are thinking about earth shots, right? Well, well yeah. can we take, I could take that one from Gabriel. Yeah, go ahead. You want to talk about the process and how we look at that? or? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we, um, as much as we understand how much value we have got from the moonshot, and there's so much value that unless, you know, you really dive into understanding um, why those that set out to do that, whether it be Elon Musk or um, Jez Bezos, or if you go a little bit deeper into it, you start getting to um, kind of what they've been doing over at Singularity University with Exponential Technology and, and Peter de Mendes's idea of his moonshot and the XPRIZE. You know, one of the interesting things is that very early on, we actually had a whole segment. Um, before we got into our framework, we actually followed the SDGs. And what we found with the SDGs was that they were great goal setters, um, but they were kind of a bit too institutionalized and we couldn't get them into the innovational bucket, right? Getting people like entrepreneurs to really go out and build businesses around um, saving the planet. And one of the things that we found out was when we had a, we had one vertical called space. And when we were working with the, uh, some high level people on the space pro program, we couldn't figure out a rationale for planet earth and space in today. Because we said if in 10 years we do really have to stave off climate, we couldn't really figure out in that decade how space could be part of our, our framework was we were building a new framework, which we went to, I mean, Eat, Make, Move, Live. And we, so we applied originally the idea of space technology as it applies to planet earth. And even that was a stretch. So we were like, Gabrielle was like, I don't know. And I said, I don't know. And one day we was like, look, it just has to be an earth shot. 
Like we have to take one shot at Earth, at this planet that we're on. And so I think for me, and I let Gabriel speak for herself, but for me, we've just been on an Earth shot mission. Like we've got one Earth, one shot. We've got to fix it once. We don't get it twice. There's not two of them. We don't get to build another rocket. You know, we don't get to try again. It's not like a handful of people are dying in a rocket. Like everyone goes if climate does go the way we're talking about it. So for me, it's been an Earth shot from the beginning of the journey ever since I got involved in and fascinated by this back um, in uh, the early 2000s. Yeah, so what I'll add on to that is that um, we, um, we're, we, at Planet Home, we don't so much think that we're the ones paving the way and showing what the, the solutions and the visions are. It's more connecting people who have them and are working on them. And, um, and we have a bunch of different ways of how we think about getting there. We run eco sprints where we do vision setting for 10 years from now in 2030 and then work backwards. Um, to how we actually get there, depending on what the topic is and who's involved and what they're interested in. And Anthony uh, mentioned our framework around eat, make, move, and live. Um, we decided just to make it really simple for people in, um, in their lives. Like the 17 SDGs are fantastic, but even though I've studied them a million times, I still can't remember all of them. <laughs> I couldn't name them all off right now. Um, and so we just wanted to talk about what are the solutions that people can do in their everyday lives really easily. You know, everyone eats, um, makes or consumes products, moves around and lives somewhere. And I think right now we're all gonna be reimagining what that looks like and what our new, new normal, new way of life is going to be looking at, um, looking like in five, 10 years. So I think that a lot of people will be I bet a lot of people, for example, will be thinking right now, um, how can I be growing food in my garden? Or if I don't have a garden, how do I have something in my kitchen, a little hydroponics or something? Like, I bet a lot of people are going to be um, rethinking the fact that they're not spending an hour or two hours in their car every day going to the office right now um, and maybe enjoying that. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of things um, that... Uh, of my vision of a new world would look like. But I think the key is for each person, you know, for us to work together to kind of come up with a vision that's exciting mm -hmm. to everybody, that people are like, yes, this is really, really exciting. I want to live my life like that. Um, right. And it's only going to come like, what I'm really excited about right now is seeing how well people are collaborating. You see scientists from around the world working at lightning speed, um, sharing research where they don't ordinarily work quite that quickly and with same sense of urgency. So to me, that's super exciting. I don't know, Neil, like you probably see that too on the AI side and the tech. How do you think that's going to happen? I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, you know, you always hear me say like data is the new oil and nobody wants to share. And here we're thrust in a situation where for all of humanity to get out of this, we have to work together. We have to share data, we have to share knowledge. But I, I, I hope that that kind of collaboration that mindset lasts, but I you know something you actually alluded to earlier I thought was interesting. You know, I, I look outside now and I'm literally surrounded by wildlife, right? You see the waters in like Venice or you can clear, you can see the fish. I heard the birds have re returned to Wuhan first time mm -hmm. since the nineties. Do, do you guys think that, you know, kind of this break earth got from, from people, you know, using it will be a bit of an eye opener about the real impact that we have. And maybe we can think about, you know, the new normal being a more sustainable life. Yeah, I'll take that one if that's cool. Um, so 
uh, I'll give you a couple of pieces, right? So in our, when we started to look at the planet and the ecosystem, um, one of the things that was very interesting very early on in this journey, and, and Peter D. Mendes and Stephen Kotler wrote two books, and Stephen was a, uh, a huge component very early on in our thinking, and the books he wrote was with Peter, which was Abundance and Bold. And one of the things that me and Stephen used to talk about with Gabrielle a lot was, you know, the amount of money it would take for us to fix the planet as humans, right? The eco-service system collapsed would be far too expensive from a human capacity perspective to fix. Mm-hmm. So if our ecosystem collapses, we do not have enough money or resources to fix it. So we're like, okay, so we cave in, we're, we're completely done. So when we were building a framework, I mean, Gabriel were going through it with Robert Suarez and Robert's background was biomimicry, right? So we kind of really took a biomimicry uh, perspective on the planet, which is how we kind of ended up saying, okay, let's take biomimicry and industry. Let's mix them together to build the framework. Let's build every industry that's net positive to the planet. Let's find every business that exists so that should we could convert all them businesses up to now be the new industry instead of the extractive business, we could start to see this tilt. And so the consideration now for us is as a COVID's going on, if I took COVID and I split it in half and I said, okay, the left is the illness and the right is the results, I want the results. I, I want virtual connections to be the thing we do, not travel, right? I want new fuel sources to be the focus. I want ecological exploration to be what we're doing. I want biodiversity to be at the forefront of conversations that we understand how ecosystems work, atmospheric conditions, which is really climate change, should be on everyday conversations. So, yeah, I actually think the pivot for the world right now is to understand that staying at home with your family is a great thing. If you didn't bring your kids up properly, or you didn't get on with your kids, now you can actually lock them in the house because they can't go anywhere and you can beat them up until they accept that they love you. Even if they don't want it, you know, like all these cultural things, like, you know, that East and West need to meet each other. Meditation becomes a thing uh, because we need to meditate to get through these tough times. And well-being becomes a thing because now I can take care of myself and I have to learn how to do it at home. And guess what? I'm not spending on my gym. I'm not buying meals. I'm not spending money on entertainment. So suddenly I've got more money. I've got more time with my family. Like There is so much upside. There is such a big win. We are in such a great position to change the world. But we can't if we look at the disaster of the media communication on the left, and we can't look at the upside that we are actually facing the world's worst crisis ever coming ahead of us. And we've been given a chance. They've given us a cold shower. COVID said, take a cold bath, take a breather, guys, sit down, meditate. I'm giving you a chance. COVID's giving us a chance. COVID is saying, guys, I got you, pay attention. And we either take that chance or we, we don't again. So to me, it's the greatest opportunity we've ever had as planet home, as individuals, as you guys, as our parents and mums and dads, our brothers and sisters, because we're all part of one big family, to really rethink about the way that we make materials and materials science and green manufacturing and circular economies and food production securities. And I can rattle them off all day long and land stewardship and ocean stewardship, like, all the areas of the world that have business sectors that are net positive that help in the planet versus all the things that are just weighing down the planet and the planet saying enough already guys. So I think it's the most exciting time to be alive. If you can see the wood from the trees. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it feels like a dress rehearsal for what may be coming when it comes to climate change. And so there's two things I wanted to, to, to touch on one, 
as a as a proponent of meditation, my wife and I both meditate twice a day, and we've seen amazing results in our lives. I wondered if you could spoke, speak for a moment about meditation and, and why you think that's so valuable. And then this would be over to Gabrielle. You know, what are some of the lessons that that you are seeing so far? If this is a dress rehearsal, if if this is uh, a chance for us to get good at this now before we're facing something that's even more serious. So, um, Anthony, if you want to weigh in about meditation first. Um, yeah, sure. I can just take that. Um, you know, I think that, um, I think for everybody, I, so I think we have religion, right. And we have spirituality. And I think that them two practices have been around for a very, very long time, way before any of us. And I think they both bring, um, a sense of, um, human belonging, um, and human spirit and the humanity itself is a lived off our spirits from, from the beginning of the day we were here, like our spirit. And a humanity are the things that gets through everything. And so I think meditation becomes a practice that enables you to really take a second to take stock of your own spirit, find the spirit within you for getting on your journey. And if you stay in the right spirit, you can get through anything. We've seen that in the worst of times. But if we lose our spirit, right, we lose our sense of hope, we lose our sense of aspiration, we lose our sense of possibility, then there is no, there is, there is nothing that's ever going to make you okay. You can have the most amount of money in the world you could be sorry guys and of course phone connected to laptop laptop connecting to phone in the middle of a meditation that's just epic you couldn't get a worse scenario could you uh meditation telephones don't go together i just want to say don't try that home kids so so i think that you know the human spirit is critical to success for the humanity right now and i think meditation is a great place for people to sit in their own spirit and find their own pathway forward without any interruptions from outside forces. So meditation for me is a key component of my um, every minute life, Gabrielle. Mm. Well, I was just, we actually had a conversation this morning around um, what are the good things that we see happening right now? Um, I'm not down there in LA, but I've heard that the air quality is much better than it was two months ago. Um, You know, here in San Francisco, it's um, generally pretty good, but there's, you know, all sorts of, um, uh, data that we're going to be going and searching for now to point out how our actions are having a positive effect. Um, you know, from the oceans to the the air quality to, um, all sorts of other things like that. So, you know, we're going to be, um, you know, trying to point out every, every you know area where people can take an action in their daily lives and and realize that it really actually um you know collective action by all of us really really makes a difference mm-hmm. i think that kind of touches on an interesting point you, you think about these giant problems like climate change and ocean pollution or you know the destruction of the coral reefs i, I always think like I'm, I'm one guy what can i actually do to make a difference right right you guys are very much in the business of solution solutions but creating solutionists how, i mean how do you see people being able to help well uh, oh go ahead anthony yeah i can i can take the first part if you want to take the second part gabrielle go ahead. um i think we believe that you know we've always believed this it's, it's a weird thing like we've been working quite hard recently on trying to change um the way that people even see us because they they come to this thing of um you know, this idea of leadership and following leaders. And, and, and I, I, I think that we've always strive for empowering everybody else to be 
um, able to solve their own problems and become solutionists by giving them the information support um, and platform to become the very people that they keep talking they want to be. And I know that everyone just has to move from one place to another. It's not a big move from I can't to I can, right? Not possible to is possible. So can't solve to solve is can't find a solution to find a solution. So we really believe the solutions have always existed and we believe we've chosen things that aren't helping us versus things that are helping us. And so that move from I can't to I can or I don't want to to I do want to to I can't get it done to I can get it done is a simple move from I can't solve the problem to I can solve the problem or I can't find a solution to there's a solution. So first we wanted to move everybody to being solutionists so they themselves can find their solutions. And then we really believe in the idea of everyone doing it. And maybe Gabrielle can kind of maybe backdrop the kind of idea of getting everyone to solve it together. Um, well, in terms of, we're actually working on a bunch of um, kind of creating community now so that people do feel connected and people do feel like they can um, kind of have that agency. You know, it's like the, I don't have like, I'm just one person, what can I possibly do? And so that we're gonna, we're, I'm not saying we don't have all the answers yet. And we're trying to figure out a way where we can show people um, what their actions actually in aggregate mean together and make it really inspiring and kind of fun for people. Um, Michael, I don't think you've been to one of our events, but um, when we move virtually, we'll be you know striving for the same mix that we have in our live events, which was a lot of fun. Um, a lot of music, a lot of um, artists and, um, you know, inspiring people, because if you can't be creative, um, then if you're like, you know, all fear, like it's really hard to be creative and come up with the solutions for what works for you in your life and your business and what you want to work on. And, and also hard to create those connections and, and, and collaborations. And I think we can even see that really working right now. Like if you just, you know, look at your newsfeed and get overwhelmed with the negative stories that are there. And there is a lot of um, death and, and things to be worried about. Um, uh, you know, you can get stuck in a case of, you know, paralysis and not being able to take action and on the things that actually will solve that. And I, I do think meditation is a good part of that. Um, you know, if you just start thinking about your senses and what you observe, you know, that's always just a good way to bring people back to, um, they actually have, um, control over what happens in their life. Right, right. I, I agree with that. I think that meditation is a good way to almost reset your mind and allows you to step back and stop being in a reactive mode. And that helps you get away from fear because I think that's a, a, the major hindrance. But speaking of that, so uh, Charles Eisenstein has talked about the idea that um, our problems, whether they be COVID-19 or climate change or nuclear proliferation are technical problems. Uh, sorry, they're, they're political problems, not technical problems. We can technically solve these problems if we get the political buy-in, if we get the cultural buy-in. And I don't mean political in the sense that our leaders will solve it for us. I mean political in the sense that you, um, to speak to what you've talked to earlier, you amass coalitions, you get people collectively to buy into, we're going to do this, first of all, and this is how we do it. And I wonder, first of all, if you agree with that, and if it is true, how do we get people from a cultural standpoint to recognize, first of all, that there is a problem and how to take action? That's for, for both of you, your thoughts. I can take that first if you want, Gabriel. Go ahead. Um, so I'll, I'll start with um, 
the kind of idea that they're technical problems, not um, political problems. Um, absolutely. I mean, they are really technical problems. Planetary services is really kind of how we structure our data um, and um, really structure it around these kind of areas and sectors that we actually technically have to go solve and they actually are solvable. Um, in fact, COVID solved many of them for us. And if COVID stayed around for another two years, it would solve many more for us. So they are really technical. Um, and they're all political, right? We, we drew a bunch of boundaries a long time ago and we divvied up the land and people put a bunch of flags in them and said, this is my land and now you have to pay me for my land. And by the way, oops, I found some oil. And by the way, I'm now a billionaire and I got some oil. And so the, the, the distribution of wealth was really the distribution of land ownership, right? And so we, in California, you see that a lot with the water rights issues. Um, I have some pretty horrific stories around the fights over water rights and land rights in California, which is global. And of course, if you go back to those who were here before us that, you know, um, have some challenges around the way their land were taking, this stacks up in a very geopolitical, financial um, kind of like issue. And so, so the question really then lies into like, how would you ever solve something that's so stacked against us? Um, so there is a technical issue in terms of technically we can solve it if we were to do the math and put one plus one makes two. But unfortunately, we didn't build a world where one and one made two. We built a geopolitically mathematical world where like finance and econ economics drives it, which is never one and one plus makes two. Because, you know, there's a great story about someone has a company who I won't mention the company name, but um, great guy has a solar company and we were talking about the issue and they were one of the fastest growing solar companies. And we were discussing his growth and his biggest challenge. And they moved um, about eight months to 10 months ago away from their battery um, storage issue to be, to be able to exponentially change because of their storage capabilities which then made them cheaper per dollar um, for power, a kilowatt per oil, right? So in crude oil. So they were now competing cheaper than oil was. And so they no longer had a tech issue. They no longer had a financial issue. They had abundance of capital. They had a political issue. They couldn't get their cable across the, across the state line. They couldn't build it here and take an extension lead across the state line. The oil line could go through, but the power line couldn't. So now the question is, you know, it's a good thought from Buckminster Fuller, you know, do you compete with the oil line and try to get the guys to stop the oil line or do you get them to fight to put the power line in? Well, the idea is you would fight to put the power line in because there's no point in fighting that battle when you need to fight that battle. So I think the, I think the two parts is, one, it's technically true that we can fix the planet if one and one makes two, but politically and financially that's never going to happen. So then you have to rebuild it somehow or find a new way of building it in a new world and that new world has to exist in a way that the old world didn't. And the question is how and when could you do that? That's, that's a uh, wonderful segue. So um, to, to you, Gabrielle, how do we rebuild that world? If that is the case and we have to start anew in some ways, how do we rebuild it and what does that look like? Well, I think the first thing um, is really, and I actually think COVID is doing this for us right now as well, but I'll, I just wanna share a little bit about the inspiration for how we came up with the name Planet Home. Um, which was really driven by a lot of astronauts talking about that, um, that sense they got from space, looking at the earth and being like, oh, that's, that's my home. And, you know, 
you know, looking out at the whole sky, like I've not been, you know, I, I, that's that feeling having talked to them. And, and I feel like if, um, when every single person kind of has that same sense of this is our home, this planet, and that we're all in it together. And I think that's what the virus is, is teaching a lot of us right now, um, who weren't already aware of that, that everyone is actually interconnected and that, um, the health and well-being of everybody on the planet is is necessary for um, for all of us to work together. So I think that kind of first recognition and step um, that like people have to make inside of themselves to understand that is key. And and I also think that this time of people having people who do have kids having more time at home with their, with their kids is probably really. Um, making them think about their kids' future and possible grandkids, or if they have grandkids, great grandkids, um, or even wanting to have kids if you don't um, or not. But I think thinking about the future generations and what the world's gonna look like for them is also a key to um, having people kind of jumpstart the way they, they think about business and that it's not business as usual, and they can implement those changes inside the companies as uh, what they're doing. Um, so for us, we're, I'm really hopeful that right now, um, we can through COVID make the change of the planet is actually the key focus for every company, every university. Um, in fact, some like Stanford actually had already announced this year that, um, they were making that their kind of number one initiative, um, for the whole university and working together. Um, and so I think as more and more companies, you know, what we're trying to do is spread that message, help companies um, adapt that the work that they're doing to incorporate um, kind of the health of the planet um, into the work that they're doing every day. And then for, you know, consumers and people in their everyday lives as well. Um, so, I mean, for us, it's across every single sector that we see out there. I don't know if you want more specifics, but. <laughs> like, no, that's great. That's well, great. Awesome. I'm going to ask a hard question then, right? I'm going to tie it back to your eco sprints. Let's imagine it's now 2040. Yeah. There's only one. It's only one thing. I know it's hard. One thing, one change you see as a reality for 20. What is it going to be? It's 2040 right now. And what does yeah. the, the question? I know. Um, ooh, only one? <laughs> only one. That's what makes it hard, huh? <laughs> only one. Um, I think, you know, people living in, in community really, um, with a more interconnected local community where people live. Um, and I'm just saying this personally, because I think that would drive um, a lot of other things about the way that we operate and live. Um, you know, here in San Francisco, a lot of people didn't know their neighbors until now, talking over the fences or on the streets, the only people you get to see from a distance. Um, and so I, I, don't, I think if I had to pick one, it would be a connected community that we all live in and so that people feel, um, you know, that love, connection, support from each other 
and can really help each other out. And, um, and then, then that leads to community gardens, that leads to not as much travel, that leads to um, a whole host of other things. So if I had to pick one, I'd say that. That's hey, awesome. It'd be interesting. Out of isolation, we learn the real meaning of community. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. So we're almost to the end here. We have one last question. This will be to Anthony. It actually comes from the, what I can see behind you, it says the best is yet to come. So uh, going back to Gabrielle's answer, which is community. Um, if we're going to get there, what's the one tip that we can take away from, from your thinking right now to make that vision happen in 2040 to get to the community? As Neil said, go from isolation to community by 2040, perhaps local communities, people that were we're, we're more connected. Once, what's one thing that we can begin to do now to get there so the best is yet to come? I mean, I'm going to echo what Gabrielle said. It's community resilience. You know, I mean, it's like micro, microcosms will make the macro work. Like you have to get away from trying to worry about the bigger picture right now and get to what can you do in your micro community. Um, so I think that goes from everything in America, for instance, the 50 states coming together and having the local governors make decisions, what's going to be right for them versus trying to get into the federal craziness that's happening up there and actually figuring out what's right for California or New York or Detroit and Chicago, right? So I think when you start to break it down into what you can do and you start to gather your 5, 10, 15, 20, 100, 400 people, and you can start to really look at how you change behavior at your local level, we would see a catastrophic change because actually from a technical perspective, there's no way to make it at a large level, right? So you've got to focus on like small communities. And I think there's such an upside to focusing on your friends, focusing on your family, focusing on your immediate needs, not overspending, say, you know, staving away on all the things we don't need. So I think I might just have to echo what Gabrielle said and agree with her community, community resilience. Wonderful. Well, um, for people that are interested in learning more about your organization, about you, what's the best way that they can get in touch with you and learn more? Gabrielle. Well, they can find us um, at planethome.eco. Planethome.eco is our website. They can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, all the social channels. So, Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Uh, this has been a wonderful interview. Thank you again for your time. And here's to hoping that community prevails. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for changing the story. <laughs> yeah, same to you guys. Thank you. Thank it's you. great to have these conversations. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.